John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'd like to say good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome all of our visitors. Um, thankful for our little children and thankful for that love that they sang about. And I'm glad don't just apply to them, but we're all God's little children. And uh, so it's good to be in the Lord's house this morning. I don't have a lot of, on my heart, but let's be praying for our Sunday school classes and our teachers. Uh, let's remember our service. Uh, new Year is always kind of a special time, a time for new beginnings. and. If you've not been doing what you should for the Lord, it's a good time to start. Um, if you're not saved, it's a good time to get saved. Uh, so there, there's just uh, so many things we can look forward to in the new year, but serving the Lord and, and doing what he'd have you to do is always the best route to go with it. But, um, I said, uh, well, I asked Brother Carl to dismiss us to our Sunday school classes.
good to be here. We appreciate everybody for coming out this morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We have been studying and our, our titles have all been faith, profiles in faith. Today, the lesson is the faith of the wise men. And so before we get started, I saw this on uh, Facebook and I thought it was kind of interesting, so I thought I'd read it. Uh, kind of funny. So three wise women would have asked for directions, arrived on time, helped deliver the baby, brought practical gifts, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and there would have been peace on earth. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute. So, Luke chapter 2. We'll read these first couple of verses and maybe talk about the wise men a little bit and then go on into the lesson. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, in my joke that I read, you'll notice it said three wise women. And oftentimes, and even in our Christmas plays and shows that you'll see on TV, when it depicts the wise men, it will depict three. But the scriptures don't say how many wise men that there were. I think that the number three has been kind of uh, fallen back on because of the number of gifts. And we all know that later, and we'll get to that, but they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. So there were three gifts, so it's easy to depict a wise man with each gift. There could have been two. It says there were more, there's more than one, so there could have been two, and it might have been a whole host. I don't know. Um, but the, these wise men uh, came, and... Uh, as I was studying this, I, I looked back over in Proverbs, and there's a lot of verses in Proverbs about what defines a wise man and, and what uh, defines a foolish man. And, uh, you know, a foolish man says in his heart, there is no God. Uh, and a wise man builds his house on the rock. He's built on a firm foundation. And so... Uh, I don't believe that these fellows were called wise men by accident. I think they were called wise men because of the actions that they were taking. And they may have been super smart, but and we'll get into it, but there is some examples right here in this lesson of some people that were very intelligent who didn't do the same things that these wise men did. And so it makes a great contrast. So... Um, where is he that is born king of the Jews? You notice they didn't come just asking for where is the new king. They asked for a specific person, king of the Jews. So I believe, now this is Blaine, okay, this isn't, I, I, I can't prove this, but we'll just kind of talk about some thoughts that I have on this. I believe that these wise men were Jews. They came looking for the king of the Jews. They made a long journey 
coming looking for the king of the Jews. They didn't come looking for who's the, you know, who's the natural king or who's this king or that king. They came looking for somebody very specific. All right. Now what else can we see here in these first couple of verses? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So they came to Jerusalem. Why would they come to Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem was the, the hub of the Jewish people. The temple was there. It was, you know, that was the center of the, of the Jewish faith. The temple was there. That's where people went to worship. And these fellows were Jews. I believe that. And they came. Why did they came? Why did they come? Well, they saw this star. Now, I've often had this in my mind, and, and if this is still the way you believe it, I'm not going to argue with you, okay? Uh, but as I read this, I believe that they saw a star, and they realized that it was a sign, and they conferred, and they headed to Jerusalem because they believed that that star was a sign and, and they felt like they should go. At one time, I had in my mind that this star was actually, you know, kind of moving and leading them. I don't really think that's the way it was. This scripture doesn't say that. What's it say? It says, we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. So I believe that they knew something about it. I believe that they were looking for the king of the Jews, just like the entire Jewish nation. They were looking and waiting for the Messiah. They were wanting him to come, all right? And they saw this sign, and they knew where to go. They knew to go to Jerusalem, all right? That was, you know, well, let's, let's go to Jerusalem. That made sense to them. So why would they be looking for this particular sign? Let's go back in Numbers 24. Twenty-fourth chapter of Numbers is a great read. It has nothing to do with Christmas or the wise men per se. But there's a couple of verses here that really spoke to me when I and maybe there's a connection here. So let's look and see if there is. Now, what's going on in the twenty-fourth chapter? of numbers and we're going to be verse 19 but what's going on is the moabites are wanting to fight against the children of israel and the moabites have got a leader named balak and he sent for balaam who was a prophet and said i want you to prophesy against israel and balaam said I'll come tell you whatever God tells me, but I'm not going to promise you I'll prophesy any particular direction. I'm just going to prophesy the way that the Lord tells me. And Balak got all excited and said, yeah, come on. Well, when Balaam got there, three different times they built an altar and sacrificed, and Balaam went and prayed, and every time he came back and said something real positive about the children of Israel and negative about the Moabites. And it made Balak mad. He said, I was going to give you a bunch of gold and really, man, you were going to be something. And he said, you've really disappointed me. But I want to go down here in verse 19 and let's read what Balaam told Balak the last time through. Out of Jacob 
shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up a parable and said, Amalek was the first of the nations, but his father, I'm sorry, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. So, you know, he told him, if you go into this battle, you're going to lose. The children of Israel are going to, they're going to be successful. But that, Let me back up to verse 17. Um, and I, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but, uh, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob. That's really what I was wanting to get at. There shall come a star out of Jacob. I think this right here could have been the scripture because keep in mind Numbers is one of the oldest by, uh, books written. All right, so I believe the the Jews would have had this book of Numbers. And if they were reading this and just looking, they could have been saying, well, out of the lineage of Jacob, and Jacob, if you remember, now it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And a few weeks ago, I taught on the lineage of Christ. Well, in that lineage that Matthew writes just in the chapter right before this, he says, Abraham begat Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, Jacob begat, and so forth and so on. So, satisfies that lineage, brings it right down to Christ, all right? And it says, out of Jacob shall come a star, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth. So if these fellows were reading, and they could have been reading this right here, they may have been looking specifically for a star. We saw his star. Now, there may have been other scriptures that they were looking at. I don't know. But this one here certainly says that there's going to be a star. So maybe they're reading this and they're looking. But whatever the connection is, they were looking. And when they saw, they were willing to go. And they were looking for the king of the Jews. So it's pretty interesting that that scripture I think it ties in, but, you know, that's just me. Anybody have any comments or thoughts on that? And there may be other scriptures, but, I mean, I look at that as a prophecy that, that Balaam made, and Numbers is one of the oldest books that we have in the Bible, and now it's probably 5,000 years old, maybe 6,000. Uh, but that prophecy was made all the way back there about what was going to take place in Jerusalem. So, anybody have any comments? All right, let's uh, let's go on here. I'll, I want to focus on. There's really five groups of people that I would like to focus on as we go on through this story. So we've got these wise men, and we know that they've come. But as we read this, we'll maybe stop and talk about some of these people. Uh, but Herod is certainly one of them. And so, uh, verse 3, When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So here we see two of the additional people that I think are important to talk about, Herod and the people of Jerusalem. They, they both, Herod is troubled, and because he is troubled, and he's the king of this, this area, 
So his trouble affects everybody around him, all right? I mean, he's the king, and people can tell he's distressed, and so they become distressed about it. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. So Herod doesn't know, but he knows that these fellows have come looking for a king, and it's a bother to him. He's the natural king. These, these wise men show up saying, where's the, the king of the Jews? We want to worship him. It bothers Herod. He's thinking about this from a natural perspective, thinking this, there's a new natural king born. I've got a problem. All right. So he sends for the chief priests and the scribes. Interesting that he sends for the chief priests and the scribes are Jews. Right? I mean, that's who he's talking to here. He sends for the religious people. The, the Jewish people, and says, hey, come in here and tell me, where's this, where's this king of the Jews supposed to be born? So, verse 5, And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Now, if you go back in Micah, chapter 5 and verse 2, and I won't go back there, but if you go back to Micah, which was written probably 400 or maybe 500 years before this has taken place, Micah says, Bethlehem, you're blessed. Out of thee will come the king. And so these chief priests and these prophets knew this scripture, and they shared it with Herod. All right. And then they all packed up and went to Bethlehem. No, they didn't. It's interesting here that we've got, and everybody knows, and a week or two ago, maybe it was last week, talked about the shepherds that were right there really close. They were in the country, all right? And the angels appeared to them and told them what was going on. And what did the shepherds do? They After the angels left, it says they conferred amongst themselves, and they said, let's go down here to Bethlehem and see if we can, if we can see this. Let's go down here and look at this exactly what they should have done think how what a blessing that that was to them from then on they went down there and saw the Christ child right as he was born you got these wise men and I'm not sure exactly where they came from there's theories of where they came from I believe they were Jews I mean their actions make it look like they're Jews there were Jews that were carried away captive back when Babylon came and, you know, sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, there were Jews that were carried away captive that never came back when, when the Jews were let go. There were some of them that stayed down there. And they just kind of assimilated with the people of Babylon. Maybe these fellows were from Babylon. Maybe they were Jews that still lived in Babylon. Could have been. There were Jews from the lost tribes, what are referred to as the lost tribes of Israel, and there's evidence that some of them went over into Persia, which is Iran, which would have been about 1,600 miles. Babylon would have been about 800 miles. A couple of the towns in, in Persia would have been about 1,600 miles. That's probably one direction, if you're walking, about a two-month walk. Now, they may have been on camels, may have had donkeys, or I don't know. But 
That's a long way. There's some theories that maybe these fellows were from India, which is even on further. I mean, the edge of India was probably about 2,500 miles. So I don't know how far they came, but these wise men came from a long distance to get to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. Here we've got Herod, who's the natural king, and he knows that the king of the Jews has been born, or is reported to him. And he's got the, the priests and the scribes telling him, well, it's over here in, in Bethlehem. That's where it's supposed to happen. So what did Herod do? He stayed right there. Didn't go. The chief priests and the scribes knew, and these are religious leaders that are looking for the Messiah. See, I could kind of get it if Herod didn't go. He, I don't think Herod was Jewish. He was, he was, this was Roman rule. I don't think Herod was Jewish. I can kind of, you know, well, I don't care if they're, you know, I, he was against that. He wanted to kill anybody that was going to, you know, contest his throne. But the chief priests and the scribes that are Jews, that are looking for the Messiah, that are the, you know, the religious leaders in that area, why didn't they travel to Bethlehem to investigate this? There's no record that they did. The people in Jerusalem that are troubled because Herod is troubled. There's no record that any of them traveled to Bethlehem. It was six miles. It was a couple hour walk from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Six miles. Five and a half, six miles. Why didn't any of them go? Whatever the excuse was, it wasn't a good enough excuse. We've got the parable later on in the New Testament where Christ says, go out and, and bid them to come in. And, you know, somebody says, well, I, you know, gotten married, I can't come, I bought some land, I'm not coming. And whatever the reason was, they, they weren't coming. Whatever the excuse is, it's not good enough. When Christ is bidding you come, there's no excuse that's good enough. So... You know, Herod didn't go, and we'll talk about him some more. He, you know, and his actions were actually, you know, he put out a decree later, kill all the children. That way I'll, I'll catch this king of the Jews in, in those babies. We'll kill them, and I won't have to worry about this anymore. That didn't work. But the religious people didn't go. The people didn't go. Yet these fellows that came from the east, and however far that was, I don't know, but it could have been a long way. It could have been a long, long journey. They got there, and they got some additional instruction of where they needed to go, and they went on. They didn't stop because they got to Jerusalem, and they said, well, he's not here. How sad if they would have turned around at that point and went back. Or how sad would it have been if they'd come from 1,600 miles, and they got there, and they said, well... He's six more miles over here in this little town called Bethlehem. That's where it's, it is. They'd have said, oh, okay, well, that's real good. All right, well, I guess that's close enough. Let's go home. You know, wouldn't have made sense. I wonder how many people that we have that come 
to the house of God and hear the gospel and feel that drawing, that knocking on their heart and think, well, that's close enough or whatever they think, maybe later, and they leave. See, if the shepherds hadn't gone exactly when they went, they would have missed what they saw. If these wise men hadn't have come and followed through and, and went to where they went when they did, they would have missed what they saw. When God calls, then is the time. Any? Not sure. People over there, even Mary met one other day over there for breakfast, you know, and he's asking about it, and he's telling him about it, about the good news. But I don't know if he'll ever show up or not. But we got Baptist people that said they're Baptist all over the city, but and they know it's here. It is so important when, when you get an opportunity to invite somebody to church. And it's a hard thing. And there are times where I don't feel like there's a door open. Not everybody I meet and talk to on a daily basis do I feel there's a door there to say, hey, you know, come and go to church. But sometimes God opens a door and says, hey, Here's a chance. Ask them to church. Um, and it is so important. Uh, I heard Trey uh, preach. Uh, we went down, oh, it's been a month or two ago, and he preached at uh, Renfro Valley. And in his message, he was talking about a story that he had heard of a church that was having revival. And th this church, what they did was they put the names of, of everybody around the, in the community in a like a basket and, and everybody that was willing to participate would draw out a name and that was the person they were supposed to go say hey we're having revival will you come to revival and uh, so there was a, just a young boy that had just gotten saved recently uh, I think he was 10 and he drew out a name he wanted to participate well he drew the name of kind of I guess you'd say the, the roughest fella in town uh, somebody that had never been to church but you know, his name, he was in the community, so his name was in there. So he went and asked the fella, and the fella came to the revival, and he got saved. And they asked him, you know, you know, why'd you come, and why are you here? And he said, well, this little fellow over here asked me, came and asked me. They said, why hadn't you ever come before? And he said, because nobody had ever asked me. You know, so we don't know when God opens that door and says, you know, ask them to church or, you know, say something to them. God's working on the other end. And that, that story makes such an important point, I think. I think there are people that we see every day that are part of our lives that we know that would come if we would ask them. Now, there are a whole bunch that won't. But if, if it's one out of ten, when Christ healed the, the ten lepers, there was one that came back and said, thank you. You know, if we get one out of ten, well, it's worth asking all ten of them if that one will come. So, but good point. Appreciate that. Somebody else have a comment?
So, right, so let's talk about that. That's a point that I wanted to bring up. Yep. If that was the case, I always thought that they were, when they saw the star, they headed out when they saw the star. So I thought it would take them two years to get there. Is I, that where they get the India? Or? Well, possibly. I, I think it's about a two-month journey if you're in Iran and Persia. That's about, that, that's about 1,600 miles. I did the math. You could probably make it in two, maybe three months. So if you, if, even if you doubled that, it would be maybe six months. Here's where I think people get the two years. And I don't know when they got there. I, 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 our pastor preached, and I do agree. I don't think it was like right after the, 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 uh, the shepherds got there. I think there was some time that went by. The ones on down in here, it says they found, uh, found verse 11 says they come into the house. So they're not in the, the barn anymore. They're in a house. And it says uh, young child. It doesn't say baby. So those are some hints that some time had passed. But if you go over in verse 16, this isn't in our lesson, but this is where I think the two years comes from. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men because they didn't go back through Jerusalem. When the wise men saw the Christ child delivered their gifts, they had a dream and realized that Herod was was trying to use them to find the child to kill him, and they headed home a different direction. They didn't go back through Jerusalem. Was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all of the children that were in Bethlehem and all of the coast thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So he privately speaks to the wise men when they're on their way through Jerusalem, on their way to Bethlehem and talks to them and asks them, when did you see the star, how long you've been traveling, etc. I think that's where the two years comes from. It's cert it, he got information from them. It's probably an overshoot of how much time he needed. Okay. Was, was he a year old? Maybe. Was he six months old? Maybe. I, I don't think the Bible gives us any anything concrete or at least that I know of, and maybe somebody else does. But I think that's where the two years comes from. So I, I can tell you this. My opinion is he was not older than two years old. It wasn't longer than two years. It was sometime between then and I, I believe it was after he went to the temple uh, and was circumcised. That was done on the eighth day. So No, I think there's a, I think there's a chance that uh, the, the star didn't appear until it was supposed to appear. And maybe that star appeared before Christ was born. I mean, the star may have appeared six months before Christ was born. I think the wise men saw it and started off traveling exactly when they were supposed to, and I think God got them there exactly when they were supposed to be there. But I don't know when the star appeared, and there's nothing biblically that tells I don't really think the star appeared before Christ was born, but it is a possibility, and I can't rule that out. Somebody else maybe can. I noticed that, it was, that the star appeared. Right. So, I mean, and back in those days, they watched the sky for everything, where the sun was, where the, you know. So, I mean, they would know as wise men if something was different about the sky. There was something, in my opinion, different naturally in the firmament with that star that triggered them. The, 
king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So that's after they had left Jerusalem. So they've been traveling and got to Jerusalem, and I was going to get to that, but thanks, Bill. Um, So I think the star from the time they left Jerusalem until they got to Bethlehem, I I think it did actually move. I think it it stopped and shone right over where that they were supposed to go to lead them there. Now the other thing about this, and I believe this all happened naturally, but I believe these fellows were saved people they were wise men and they were seeking the king of the Jews to worship him so I believe the spirit was directing them and so while I think there was something natural and I think they were looking at it and looking for it and they were doing what they thought they needed to do the Holy Spirit was there so there wasn't anything natural different uh, outside on that dirt pile after I got saved or right before I got saved but there was something different going on down in here with the spirit you know telling me what I needed to do I had no doubt about it things sure looked different after that but they really weren't any different they, it's just my, my vision of it but it's a good question I appreciate that did I answer your question well you know There are things, and I love to do a deep dive and really just, you know, get into things in the scripture and the mysteries. There are some rabbit holes that you can go down that there's not an answer. And so if God wants you to have an answer, he'll give it to you. But there are some things that, where did they come from? Well, if we really needed to know, there would be some answer. And maybe there is in here and somebody smarter than me has got it, but... I'm not really sure where they came from. I don't think it, I don't really think it matters. That's why if it really mattered, Matthew would have wrote, they came from such and such in Persia. I really wonder if they saw the star in the east and realized what it meant and and thought, well, where can we go? Let's go to Jerusalem. That's where the temple's at. That's where essentially the capital of the Jewish nation is. I'm not sure they were seeing the star every night when they were traveling from wherever they were to Jerusalem. Maybe they were. sure which one it is either it it could be either one of those I would say this I think we agree on this that when they turned and focused 
and, and were seeking again, there was a path for them to get to the Christ child. Um, and so, and I, you know, I can just imagine them traveling all this distance and being a little confused here. I, I mean, I think maybe for a few minutes or a little bit of time, they were, they're looking and saying, well, there's no king of the Jews born here in Jerusalem. We don't, we don't know what you're talking about. Then the king calls them in and talking to them. He did give them the information that it was in Bethlehem, so they at least at that point knew kind of which direction to look um, from the scriptures, which is good. Um, but, you know, and, and we've heard people talk about coming and sitting in church and feeling like coming and praying and not. And then coming back a few times and that not being there and start thinking, well, man, did I miss it? Maybe it's not going to show up again. Um, and then come back and feel that, that drawing again and come forward and certainly be happy that, that God was there drawing them. So it could have been some of this. I don't know. I, I can just kind of put myself, you know, come a long way, a tough journey, uh, wanting to, to get there and see the king of the Jews and, and being a little bit uh, dismayed or confused. was something different about it I think here after they left to me there's something a little different about what was going on with that star because it, before it didn't say anything about it moving now it says it moves and it stands right over so again I think it's the spirit working with that but I think there was something natural about it um, but it says it stood over the child I, I think that's fantastic um, Let's read on here. Verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. All right. So you notice that the shepherds, there's no account of them taking gifts. But I think they were received and accepted the same as the wise men. So don't feel like that this is a, I have to present a lot of money or some special gift. I think it's indicative of the heart. I think it's a window into the heart. The shepherds went and left their flock, which was the most probably the most important thing to them, and went and found him and worshipped. These wise men traveled all this distance, and they brought these expensive... Now, these were expensive, valuable gifts, all right? Gold, we all know that. Frankincense and myrrh, I don't know if we realize, but just in reading the commentaries, the gold may not have been the most valuable gift out of the three of these, just from a monetary standpoint, maybe it was. doesn't say how much, 
gold. It doesn't say five pounds or something like that. But these were, they were just showing their heart. Now, these were important things for, the, you know, Jesus and his family to have, and it helped them, I think, leave there and go to Egypt so that he wouldn't be killed when, when Herod issued his order but the gold we got just a few minutes I want to get on this so these gifts represent something all right so gold was a gift that you would give to a natural king all right so if you know if there was a natural king in your area born gold is representative of that that king okay frankincense is a gift that represents a priest all right so when you think about that, Christ was our king, he was our priest. Now myrrh was what you would use as an embalming agent, all right? It also had a, a, some fragrance to it, but if you think about it, for the law to be satisfied, there had to be bloodshed, there had to be death. Christ was the only one qualified, and we've gone over this a lot, to be our king, to be our priest, and to be our sacrifice. He was the only one that could do that. So it's not, you know, it's not by accident that these three gifts are given from these wise men to him, acknowledging and recognizing who he is and what he was. Uh, so I thought that was pretty neat. Now, with the myrrh, you'll read some commentaries that will talk about that representing a prophet and certainly Christ satisfies that as well and also with death you, you think about being man and so Christ had to be man all man to really satisfy the law and be that sacrifice so that all goes together that's probably enough in there for two or three weeks of lessons and I don't have enough time to get into that um, but uh, I think if you look at the hearts of the people that we've talked about here, there were there were five different people or five different groups. You see really what's important. All right. It's out of the heart of man. That's where God deals. You know, he saves our soul and our, our heart has to be turned toward him and we have to make that decision. So these wise men made that decision. The shepherds that were close, they made that decision. Herod's decision, we've talked about that. It's pretty clear what that was. The chief priests and the scribes, to me, it's just sad that none of them went down to see. Why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, they knew it was supposed to happen in Bethlehem. You got people showing up going, we've seen one of the signs. The Messiah's here. They didn't do anything. Just As far as we can tell, they stayed home. The people of Jerusalem, I wonder how many of them knew. Is it important to get the message out? It is. It's important to get the message out. If there was somebody in Jerusalem that didn't know anything about this, then of course they couldn't have gone down to Bethlehem to see. So it's important for us to get the message out. Uh, so does anybody have any comments or any questions?
absolutely. I, and, and with that scripture in Numbers, I think it, I personally think it was some of the later ones that came out of that lineage of Jacob. But they may not have been reading that scripture, and, and I might just be missing. I mean, it's just a thought in my mind, but it ties together good. Um, but there are, yeah, there's numerous different people that it could have been. And it may not have been, you know, any of those. It may have been people that just heard about it and were looking for a sign and read and came. Um, but it, it's interesting. It doesn't matter our what our last name is or where we're from or we're from Kentucky or from West Virginia or from Ohio or where we're from, um, there's an opportunity. When Christ calls, that's when it's important uh, for us to answer. But great, uh, great comments. Uh, appreciate that. Anybody else? Well, and we do know that they were there because of the census being taken, and there was no room for Joseph and Mary in the inn. So whatever the population normally was, it was probably a lot more. I mean, you know, you would think. And so, um, but, it, you know, it, it's a good point, you know, our, that Brent made. We have freedom to worship and not worry about persecution. That's not that way everywhere in the world. There's places where people worship and have to be secretive uh, and have to worry about are they going to get killed for what they're doing. And Herod, this trouble that Jerusalem felt with Herod may have been, you know, they may have been feeling the, the pressure from him wanting to snuff this out. So it might have been a scary time if somebody had gone down there and, and Herod or some of his spies had seen him might have been a death sentence for them. Uh, but again, no excuse is good enough. I don't know how accurate that is, but according to history, Herod had killed some of his own family because he was afraid they were going to try to take his kingship. Yep. And he had been king about 35 or 40 years when this happened, and he died just within a year or two. I mean, uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus came back from Egypt just a few years later after they got word that Herod had died. Uh, and so, uh, you know, he didn't live very long after that. But 